Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Laying Down the Ordinance of the Temple. It shall be focused on the study of Ezekiel chapter 46. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read about the ordinance of the temple, Lord, that shall be restored as temple worship shall be restored in Jerusalem, we thank thee to know, Father, that you've already let us know of these things before they happen. That, Father, when we see them coming to fruition, we know, Father, that you are a fulfiller of your own word. And we already have faith in thee and in thy word and know that all that you said shall come to us. Be with us today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Ezekiel chapter 46. Ezekiel 46 Thus saith the Lord God, The gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days. But on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. And the prince shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate without, and shall stand by the post of the gate, and the priests shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go forth, but the gate shall not be shut until the evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the door of this gate before the Lord in the Sabbaths and in the new moons. And the burnt offering that the prince shall offer unto the Lord in the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish, and a ram without blemish. And the meat offering shall be an ephah for a ram, and the meat offering for the lambs as he shall be able to give, and an hin of oil to an ephah. And in the day of the new moon it shall be a young bullock without blemish, and six lambs, and a ram. They shall be without blemish. And he shall prepare a meat offering, an ephah for a bullock, and an ephah for a ram, and for the lambs according as his hand shall attain unto, and an hin of oil to an ephah. And when the prince shall enter, he shall go in by the way of the porch of that gate, and he shall go forth by the way thereof. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate, and he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. And the prince in the midst of them, when they go in, shall go in, and when they go forth, shall go forth. And in the feasts and in the solemnities, the meat offering shall be an ephah to a bullock, and an ephah to a ram, and to the lambs as he is able to give, and an hin of oil to an ephah. Now when the prince shall prepare a voluntary burnt offering or peace offerings voluntarily unto the Lord, one shall then open him the gate that looketh toward the east, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings, as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go forth, and after his going forth one shall shut the gate. Thou shalt daily prepare a burnt offering unto the Lord. Of a lamb of the first year without blemish, thou shalt prepare it every morning. And thou shalt prepare a meat offering for it every morning, the sixth part of an ephah, and the third part of an hin of oil to temper with the fine flour, 
a meat offering continually by a perpetual ordinance unto the Lord. Thus shall they prepare the lamb, and the meat offering and the oil every morning for a continual burnt offering. Thus saith the Lord God, If the prince give a gift unto any of his sons, the inheritance thereof shall be his sons, it shall be their possession by inheritance. But if he give a gift of his inheritance to one of his servants, then it shall be his to the year of liberty, after it shall return to the prince, but his inheritance shall be his sons for them. Moreover, the prince shall not take of the people's inheritance by oppression, to thrust them out of their possession, but he shall give his sons' inheritance out of his own possession, that my people be not scattered every man from his possession. After he brought me through the entry which was at the side of the gate into the holy chambers of the priests, which looked toward the north, and behold, there was a place on the two sides westward. Then said he unto me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering, where they shall bake the meat offering, that they bear them not out into the utter court to sanctify the people. Then he brought me forth into the utter court, and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court, and behold, in every corner of the court there was a court. In the four corners of the court there were courts joined of forty cubits long and thirty broad. These four corners were of one measure. And there was a row of building, round about in them, round about them four, and it was made with boiling places under the rows round about. Then said he unto me, these are the places of them that boil, where the ministers of the house shall boil the sacrifice of the people. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Church Order. This was preached in 1958 on October the 7th. We'll begin at paragraph 1 up to paragraph 67. I trust you find it to be a blessing. a big meeting of five nights at the tabernacle, where by God's grace and by his help I have tried hard by the scriptures to set in order the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as we believe at the Branham Tabernacle. The first thing I wish to say is that the pastor is always in full charge of the tabernacle in my absence. And I only look to the pastor when I return. So he is in full charge to change or to do whatsoever he thinks it's best under the leadership of the Holy Spirit while I am away. We believe in an apostolic church teaching apostolic blessings for peoples of this day. We believe in the full gospel and believe that all of the signs and the wonders that was spoken of by our Lord Jesus Christ would accompany his church until he returns. We believe in those things and believe that they are to be set in order, that the church has its order, and each church has its doctrines, 
and order and discipline. Our church has no members as joiners. We believe that the whole universal church of the living God is our brothers and sisters, and that all people are always welcome, regardless of what denomination they belong to, at the Ram Tabernacle at 8th and Penn Street in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We believe in justification by faith. Romans 5.1 We believe that after a person being justified by faith, he has peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's possible that this same person could have habits such as drinking, smoking, doing things that he should not do, filthy habits of the flesh. Then we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ sanctifies this person for the service of the Lord. And that's we believe in sanctification according to Hebrews 13, 12 and 13. For Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gates. And we believe that sanctification is taught in the New Testament and meant for the believers through the New Testament age, which we are now living. And we also believe that after the, the person has been sanctified, the unclean habits has gone from the person, he's a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, and his habits are gone, we believe that then he is a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which comes as a filling of the believer. And then when the believer, it's just as many times as I have taught it, like picking up a glass out in the chicken yard. Justification is picking it up, ready for to use it with a purpose and heart. That's what God does to the sinner. He's still filthy. Then he's cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the word sanctify is a compound word, which means cleaned and set aside for service. In the Old Testament, the altar sanctified the vessel, and it was set aside for service. We believe that the Holy Spirit is putting the same vessel in service, that the Holy Spirit is uh, not another step of grace, but more of the same grace that fills the believer to the extent where that signs and wonders such as the apostolic gifts spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12 manifest themselves through this believer when the Holy Spirit comes in to take up the gift. I believe that the Scripture teaches that gifts and callings are without repentance, that when we're born in this world, we are sent here by one purpose, that is of God, and that before we even become adults, while we're yet children, the gifts that we have of God is in us then, and only the filling of the Holy Spirit puts these gifts into operation. But we have them in the beginning, such as teachers and apostles and, and prophets and gifts of tongues and the nine spiritual gifts according to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, we believe that these gifts are in operation today, and they should be in every local church. Although in such we have found throughout the world 
that there's much uh, fanaticism hooked along with people who profess to be uh, apostolic believers, just as they are in other orders and so forth. We have fanatics. That's been all along. We've had those to the ages. They had it in the apostolic day. And as Paul said there, that uh, how that some had come and persuaded them away after other doctrines and so forth. But in his own teaching, he said, if an angel from heaven would teach anything else than what he had taught, let him be accursed. So we, as the Brandon Tabernacle at 8th and Penn Street here, try to follow the teachings of the New Testament. For we believe that Jesus Christ being the Son of God and Paul the Apostle was a called and chosen vessel by election of God to be sent to the Gentile church to set it in order. Now, we believe in water baptism in the Branham Tabernacle by immersing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the apostolic uh, teaching of the Bible. And may all members of the or comers to the Branham Tabernacle who desire such may at any time requesting to be immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus may consult the pastor. If they have repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the pastor will, uh, as soon as possible, even then if he can, baptize them immediately. This does bring them into the fellowship of the believers. We believe that by water baptism we are brought into a fellowship, but by the baptism of the Holy Spirit we are brought into the members, being members of the body of Jesus Christ, which is all over the world. Now, another thing that we believe, that the manifestation of the Spirit is giving to every man to profit with all. Now, we believe that when these gifts and so forth are operating in the church, which we covet and desire that the people who are gifted by the Spirit come and worship with us. Now, in most places, we find that when these gifts in the people, the people does not understand how and when to use these gifts, and in doing so, they only bring a reproach, which we believe would be just what Satan could do to make the outsiders, the unbelievers, and so forth, afraid of this wonderful blessing that God has given to the church in these days. Paul said, when there come a stranger among us, and we've all speak with tongues, won't the man go away and say we were mad? But if one would prophesy and make known the secret of the heart, then they would fall down and say, truly, God is with you. Now, we believe that the spiritual gifts among the believers is the order of the day. We cannot believe that a man can preach under inspiration and then or be an inspired teacher and then deny the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or speaking with tongues or interpretation of tongues or any of these other gifts. So therefore, here is my belief in God's Word, the way the Branham Tabernacle at 8th and Penn Street here in Jeffersonville should be operated. I think the first thing and believe that these things which I say is essential and must be carried out in this manner 
in the Bram tabernacle for it to prosper in the Lord. And if at any time these, this would be questioned, the person who is in question about it may consult me. If they cannot get to the pastor, or they could consult the pastor. If I'm home, all for some of the trips, I'll be glad to, to help either the laity or the pastor at any time. And these things are scripturally, and I believe it's the order of the church. I think first that every member or every worshiper of the Branham Tabernacle should be so much in divine love with each other until it would, their hearts would long for each other when they have to go away to leave each other at the service at night. I am a true believer in divine love. The Apostle Paul said that was the evidence of the Holy Spirit. By this man all men will know you are my disciples, said Jesus, when you have love one for the other. And we believe that it's the love of God that sent Jesus Christ to the earth to die for us all. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. And the everlasting life here is God's own life because we become sons and daughters of God by the baptism of the Holy Spirit which is the seed of Abraham and gives us the faith that Abraham had when he believed God before he was even circumcised. Now, the next thing we believe that these worshipers should meet together, these gifted people, such as tongues and the people who get revelations and interpretations and so forth, these members or these believers rather should come together at least 45 minutes or an hour before the services ever began. The church should be open early, and the believers come together on these nights, and at least 45 minutes to an hour before the services began. I believe the Branham Tabernacle at all times should have a spirit-filled pianist who would come early filled with the Holy Spirit, and would play softly, very softly, spiritual music, such as down at the cross where the Savior died, down there for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied, glory to his name. Something on that order, near my God to thee, rock of ages, cleft for me, or near the cross, or something on that order, softly, slowly, as he is meditating constantly on the Holy Spirit, he or she, whichever it may be. Then, I believe that the worshipers coming in should be met and their hanger coats and hats shown to their seats with hospitality that only ushers or deacons filled with the Holy Spirit can do, and in love to see the church of the living God go on. These worshipers should not talk one with another and be talking across and making noise in the church. They should come together, first slip up in silent prayer, 
perhaps at the altar for a few moments. No loud praying. You interrupt someone else. Silent prayer. You're in worship. Let that soak in. Worshiping in your spirit. Then return to your seat. Or you do not have to go to the altar. Just go in and get your seat. Sit down. Listen to the music. Close your eyes. Bow your head. And be in silent worshiping God all along. Then, if the Spirit should reveal something to another, or, or someone be filled with the Spirit to a place where they would speak with tongues, then this person should rise and give the message. And everyone must hold their peace until the interpretation comes. When the interpretation comes, it must not be just quoting of Scripture or something that has no meaning. It must be a message directed to the church, or we think that it would be in the flesh. We see so much of that. Now, I believe the, the Spirit was to speak only for the edifying of the church, and now it would be a message, something on this order, perhaps. Perhaps the people are gathering by this time. Some sick people has come in. Perhaps there's a man laying paralyzed or something. You've never seen him before. But when the interpretation would come, would be something in this order. When the interpretation of the one who has just spoke would say, uh, Well, thus saith the Lord, The man who is in our midst has come from a certain, certain place and described the place and would say that he is paralyzed because three or four years ago or whatever it may the case may be he did something evil like left his wife and children and run off from him and he's fell from a trussel or something like that order and has got hurt and it's paralyzing thus saith the Lord if he will repent of that and will promise to go to his wife and reconcile himself to her then he shall be healed now and return to his family and then before anyone says anything there must be at least two or more men or peoples in the building who are spiritually solid in gospel doctrine, who has a good discernment of spirit, shall rise up and say that it is of the Lord. And if this thing doesn't take place, then tongues should not be mentioned in the church. If the person speaks with tongues, Paul said, there be no interpreter and so forth. Let them speak at home or wherever they may be for they're only blessing themselves and it's not for edification of the church. Then this person, after speaking in the interpretation and then two or three judges according to St. Paul's doctrine of the Bible that it must be judged by two or three judges, then let the person whom it calls upon to go, maybe it might designate a certain person or the pastor or someone to go lay hands on this person and it, it's sick or afflicted and they will be healed. Then let the pastor or the other person, whoever it may be, uh, was designated by the Holy Spirit to go pray the prayer of faith. Let them go and minister to the person according to what the Spirit has said. Then, at that time, the person 
and whatever the Holy Spirit has said, it shall take place immediately then, just as the Holy Spirit has given. And then the people could rejoice and be thankful and praise and worship God, because God wants to be worshipped. Then they must, then they must bow their heads and be in prayer again to see if there be another message that the Holy Spirit will want these gifts to manifest before. And then if any time that a person would speak in tongues and interpret and the, the judges would send the person to take, to do whatever was said to be done and it doesn't come to pass, then the whole group of them shall go to the altar and there pray God to take that spirit away from them because there's no one would want a spirit like that. We would know it would be false and would be of the enemy and not of God, because God can only tell truth. Let that be clearly understood by the church before you start this, this new order. Then, perhaps maybe it would be something like this. The message would say to a certain brother, maybe it say would live by a railroad track or something, to have him to move out because there is going to be a wreck on the road or something, or anything in that order. And let the judges, after they give the church permission to speak or to exercise this uh, message that just went forth, if their judgment is, it's of God, then watch and see if it comes to pass. And if it comes to pass, thank God and be very graceful, graceful in your heart towards him and give him praise and worship and be humble above all things. Be Humble. Don't never get yourself puffed up to a place where you know more about it than your pastor or the church that you're worshiping in. If you get to that place, then I'd advise each one of you to get another place to worship with because I am asking the pastor never to permit anything outside of the Bible order a way we have seen it here in the church. And then we want these gifts to be operated in place. And the worshipers, if it's carried on correctly according to the word, you'll see a mighty, wonderful church in operation for our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, then the next thing shall take place will be that if these people who have, that gets out of order uh, during these times, that a deacon or some uh, usher that's filled with the Holy Ghost and got lots of grace in their heart, shall go to the person reverently, fatherly-like, and shall correct them in this manner, or the pastor, whoever it may be, which would be more essential for the deacons to do so. For the pastor at this time, while these spiritual services are going on, should be in the prayer room or somewhere a-praying. These messages then, uh, if there's no messages going on, no revelations, then the people would be privileged if they desired to raise and give a testimony. A testimony only for the glory of God. They're not bound to do this. But testimony should be given before the message or any song service starts or anything. Testimonies in these worship services. Do you understand, church, that in doing this, you have the whole church in the spirit of worship before the word comes in to be taught, then the Holy Spirit gets in the Word and manifests God through the Word to be a confirmation of your worship. 
Now, then, after this uh, time for the pastor to come on, if messages are going on, say the pastor should come out at exactly, say, 7.30 and, or quarter of 8. And if these messages are still going on before the pastor comes to his uh, out of his study or wherever he may to take his place at the platform, some brother should instruct him because the saints knows that when the pastor comes on the platform, it's his time then for the service. And that gives plenty ample time for all the manifestations of the gifts to bring the Spirit of God into the, the congregation. And if any unbeliever would happen to be there, be disorderly, a kind-hearted person would go to them, such as an usher or a deacon, and would tell them if they would, they would ask to be kept reverent or be reverent while the service uh, is in order because the Spirit is in the building and the gifts of God are being made manifest for the edifying of the church. And this person must be told in love and not harshly, unless it would come to a place where they were drinking or some disobedient or something other that would be interfering with the worship of, law, of the Lord, uh, which the gifts are then are being manifest, then the person should, would, should be led out to one side to one of the back rooms or somewhere and be talked to and dealt with kindly. Now, while the pastor comes to the platform, as the pastor comes to the platform, I would suggest, as the Branham Tabernacle here, that the pastor lead the congregation in at least one or two good songs. For we have found it so, that when too many are trying to operate the in the church, it brings on only trouble. I would suggest, as I did while I was pastoring at the church, I led the songs myself. And I feel that it would be a good thing if the pastor did so himself. And in all prayer meetings, where they're gathered together, groups of prayer meetings, the pastor must be at each one. It should never be left to any individual to go lead such meetings. For we have found it so that they get off the track on doctrine and then they call, bring it right back into the church and many times bring heresies and so forth which doesn't belong in the church of the living God. And the pastor should be at all prayer meetings and so forth where congreg gatherings are. And the pastor should never take sides in the meeting. The saying that one group is this way and one that way, the pastor should stand between both of them and go to them and get them reconciled immediately. And if he can't get them reconciled, let him take a deacon with him. And then if the, they want neither pastor nor deacon, then it should be told to the church. And as Jesus said, let them be unto you as a heathen and a publican. And whatever you bind on earth, said Jesus, I'll bind in heaven and what you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. Now, when the pastor comes to the platform, let the pastor then lead at least one or two songs and go straight to the Word. Not no time for these 
long testimony meetings and everybody get up and a word to say that does not prosper in the Branham Tabernacle. If any peoples who are listening to this tape and you it has prospered in your church, well, that's perfectly all right, and we're very glad of that, that it does prosper in your church. But in our church, it does not. It only causes confusion. I've been pastoring here for 20-some-odd years, and I have found that it only causes confusion. If you've got a testimony, give it before the, in the congregation of the people while the spirits are blessing and so forth, or the real way to testify is not in the church, is out in dark places. Let your light shine where it's dark. Go to roadhouses and different places and where sin and things is heaping. Then let your light shine. There is the place to do it. But however, if the Lord has blessed you and give you some great special blessing or something that you have to tell the people, do it in time of the other service, the pre-service, the preliminary, or when the Spirit is blessing and giving testimonies and revelations and tongues and interpretations and so forth in the worship of the saints before the word of God is being brought forth. Then the pastor after leading this hymn shall immediately lead the church in prayer and a congregational prayer himself as he stands at the platform asking the rest of them to bow their heads in prayer. This we have found to be a greater blessing and a more ruling and operating in the church. And then the next thing the pastor should do, then if they had a real spiritual meeting with the gifts making manifest many secrets of the people's hearts and things which should be done by the gifts in the meeting, then the Spirit of God is in the meeting and it's very easy then for the pastor to find the Spirit of God which is already in the meeting on the Word of God as he reads and starts preaching. The pastor then preach anything that the Holy Spirit would put on his heart, whatever he wishes to do, standing there. But the congregation is the only, they can rejoice as he is preaching, of course, or say amen when the word comes forth. But as far as getting up and giving uh, uh, messages and tongues and, and interpretation while the, the Holy Spirit is working through the pastor, the scripture condemns that. And said, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. The pastor then must call this individual down and ask them to be reverent and to keep their place. The pastor must be a man that has got a very humble way about him, but not too humble for what he could be like the Lord Jesus Christ when he seen wrong going on in the church. He planted ropes and ran them out of the church. And now... The church of God is the house of judgment, and the pastor is the highest order in the church. The elder is the highest thing in the apostolic church outside of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings his message straight to the elder, and the elder gives it to the people. The saints and their gifts shall have their place first to worship and come together, which brings, as I've said before, the Spirit of the Lord in the building for the pastor and it makes it much easier for the Holy Spirit to work through him then when a good spiritual meeting has just preceded his teaching. And then the Holy Spirit gets into the Word and teaches the Word has just been manifested by the gifts and then the altar call is being made then afterwards and many then will see and know 
according to the working of the Holy Spirit and the word of God which a pastor places it on, that you are the church of the living God. And as Paul said of old, he'll fall down and say, truly, God is with you. Now, in these things, let it be done with reverence. And now, to the pastor, to our brother Neville at this time, remember, he is the full head of the church. Brother Neville has a right to exercise any authority that the Holy Spirit would, anything the Holy Spirit would tell him to say, in other words, in the church, he has a right to anything that God would lead him to do. He also has a right over his deacon board. He can change the deacon board, the trustees, or, or pianist, or any other office in the church that he desires to change feeling led by the Holy Spirit uh, to do so. And whatever he does, I'll recognize it as he, I believe, to be a godly man. I'll recognize it to be of the Lord and will sanction the same. Therefore, it gives him the authority then to operate the church the way he feels led to do it. Now, or any office in the church, if he desires to, to, to uh, switch uh, positions with people, well, he has the authority to do that, which I trust that this will always be lovely and never have to be used. Now, may the Lord bless you all, and I trust that this will be uh, carried out to the very best of your knowledge, and may the Holy Spirit watch over each one of you, and may every officer of the church fill his post of duty, knowing this, that God is going to hold you responsible for how you held your office in the church. Each one will have to give an account, and to the laity and the dear gifted saints that's in our church, those who who prophesy or speak with tongues or interpret or have revelations, we are just so happy to have you in the church, and we will give you full cooperation in everything that the Holy Spirit shall prove that he has said to you, and we love you, and we believe that these gifts are in you, and that if you have the right opportunity and the scripturally presentation of it, that you will make great workers in our midst. And may the Lord bless you all, is my sincere prayer. Christians, since listening to this tape, I have uh, one thing that I seen I left out, and that is this, that while people are speaking with tongues, it must be in the courses of two or three according to the scriptures. That is, there's only two or three messages to be given in each single service. After that, according to the scriptures of these courses, this must be only two or three. 
So may you carry these things out accordingly, a way the Holy Spirit has directed it in his Bible, and this is the best of my knowledge, the way to do it. Paul said, Let them be by courses two or three when they're speaking. The Lord bless you. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word, and we thank thee to know that heavens and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. We pray, Father, may the words that we've heard today percolate to the depths of our hearts, change us from the inside, until, Father, we are molded into the image of your Son. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Yes, sir. 